From the campus of Yale University, this is To Live and Dialogue in L.A. I'm Aaron Tracy. On the pod today, TV writer, exec producer, creator, and showrunner, Nell Scavell. Nell has written on a ton of legendary shows, including It's Gary Shandling's show, Murphy Brown, Late Night with David Letterman, The Simpsons, and she created the long-running show, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Nell was one of the first women to write an episode of The Simpsons. She was the second female writer ever hired on David Letterman and the only woman on his writing staff at the time. Nell has written about how she found the atmosphere there openly sexist. In fact, she's had the courage to write a lot about how difficult it is for a woman to make it in the boys' club of comedy writers' rooms. Nell is a key voice in the conversation about equality and gender in Hollywood, and she regularly writes on these topics for The New York Times, The Washington Post, New York Magazine, and Vanity Fair. She's just written a memoir, Just the Funny Parts and a Few Hard Truths About Sneaking into the Hollywood Boys Club, which has gotten great reviews and is just out in paperback. She was also Sheryl Sandberg's co-writer on the amazingly successful and movement-starting Lean In. Pretty wild list of credits there. Let's talk to her. I'm excited. Here is Nell Scavell. By the way, thanks to our friends at ScreenCraft for their help getting the word out about this week's episode. Check out ScreenCraft.org for top screenplay competitions, educational events, and much more. Have you ever been dragged into one of the Law & Orders? No, they, they wrote one that was based on an idea I gave them about a stand-up comedian. Oh, really? Um, yeah. That's funny. Are you talking about SVM? <laughs> like rape someone in... Uh, a parking lot or oh, something. Oh, Jesus. I don't think I could work on that show. It would. Um, I worked on one medical drama called Presidio Med. Sure. Very short-lived. And um, it, it was just hard because doctors would come in and they would tell these awful stories of patients dying or, or you know, who, emergency room cases. I, I found right. it very hard to deal with that every single day. Yeah. It always shocks me. People like my, um, my old boss on, on Law & Order, Ed Zuckerman, he's written the third most Law & Orders of anybody ever. Can you imagine the number of real-life cases, <laughs> newspaper articles, tragedies yeah. he's had to read? Yeah. Yeah. I know the paperback version of your book just came out. You, so you've been doing tons of, of interviews and talks and conversations. Um, I'm just curious, is there any question that you get asked, like, always without fail that you're sick of answering? Oh, it, it, it's, uh, it's, why did you write this book? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and is the kind of thing where you just have the same road answer and you just repeat it every time? Well, I, I used to do a very kind of, like, um, a hard sell answer, which included, like, all my a, a bunch of my credits and and uh but now i just say well if i didn't write my memoir who would right yeah that's a good answer i like that it's a good one liner so you know looking at your uh at your imdb list a little bit you i think you're our first guest who has gone back and forth between half hour comedies and one hour dramas 
in terms of um, sort of just the craft of writing, uh, do you find the two show the two sort of genres to be completely different? Um, do you have an easier time writing one more than the other, or is it just all exactly the same? It's just writing character. Oh well, I prefer comedy, and uh, even the hours that I've worked on that I think I've enjoyed the most were funny hours, like Monk or NCIS, which um, in the early days had a lot of funny character business. And one of the changes that happened in the TV business since I started in the 80s um, is sitcoms got very short. They used to be, when I started, they were 25 minutes long. And now I think they're down to like 21 minutes. So you've lost 20% of your storytelling. Right. And they really they they morphed somewhere in the in the nineties into um, what my friend Joel Hodgson from Mystery Science Theater mm-hmm. three thousand he used to call them joke delivery system. Right. So if you watch like an old Mary Tyler Moore, there's a moment when Rhoda comes in and says, "Hey, Mayor, what you up to?" And Mary says, "Oh, I'm making a tuna fish salad sandwich. You want one?" And, and Rhoda says, sure. And then they get into their business. And it's just a sort of nice, like, realistic moment. Mm-hmm. And now it's Those just... Those moments no longer exist. Right. And Set I actually worked on a show that will go nameless, okay. where a neighbor bursts into his neighbor's apartment and says, can I use your bathtub? I've got a deer draining in mine. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, well, that's, you know, that's the difference. And so I like, I love absurdity, but I like absurdity that's rooted in reality. Right. And to be rooted in reality, it's got to have a little bit of story behind it. It can't just be the setup for a punchline. So I am a story queen, I guess, is Uh is the answer. And so if I can work on, um, you know, I wrote a Muppets episode for the revamp, which was about Miss Piggy having a wardrobe malfunction on the red carpet Uh and her tail popped out. And it was the first time the audience had ever seen Miss Piggy's tail. And it became a a body shaming episode. And (laughs) uh, it was really fun to write. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, But I mean, you know, most of my friends um, uh, who who are writers for TV are in drama because it feels like there's a real, um, you know, there's not a ton of crossover. Obviously, there's some. But like, I wouldn't know how to go about getting a job on on a half hour. Do you find um, that it's it's two different sets of people? It's two different worlds? Or um, is it more sort of seamless for you? Oh, that's interesting. I don't, um, you know, a sense of humor is appreciated in in both rooms. And I, I really believe that drama and comedy are, are not as separate as they seem. I just feel like the good times slam into the bad times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I don't see much different. You know, some of the funniest people I've worked with were in drama rooms. Right. And uh, some of the most ADD people I ever worked with were in comedy rooms. Right. And there's some famous <laughs> examples. Like I think, um, you know, Matt Weiner started off in comedy rooms and Terry Winter started off in comedy rooms. Um, 
And so I think a lot of people go one it, – it, it feels this way. Maybe I'm wrong. It feels like people go in one direction, starting off in comedy sometimes and then moving over to drama. You don't hear about a lot of – you know, it's not like the showrunner of NCIS is going to go right on, you know, mom next year. Yeah, I, it was uh, – Sarah Silverman is interviewed in the Gary Shandling documentary, the one that Judd Apatow made. Right. And she talks about Gary's influence on TV writers in general. And she actually says, I think Gary's influence is even on NCIS. And I laugh because the, my start in television was thanks to Gary Shandling. And I did write on NCIS. <laughs> right. It's funny. I laugh, too, because a close friend of mine is Jesse Stern, who wrote on NCIS for years and was also like a protege of Gary's. I um, love Jesse. Oh, you do? He's a yeah. good person. He's the best. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was supposed to actually bring him up to New Haven today, but he got a little sick. Um, oh. Yeah. Come well, he just has home. a cold. I will. Oh. Um, and so was Gary uh, sort of a mentor for you? We also had Ed Solomon on the podcast who talked about Gary giving him his start. Seems like Gary gave so many writers their start. He, he encouraged me early on, but um, I would not say he took me under his wing and mentored me. Uh, you know, it was still weird to be a woman in that world. And in fact, one of Gary's biggest compliments to me was he told me I wrote like a guy. Wow. But it's through Shandling that I met um, Al Jean and Mike Reese, and they were the ones who, okay. um, you know, brought me into The Simpsons and The Critic, and they're they're both still good friends of mine. And they, I would say they were mentors. Right. Or peers. Right. And I mean, that is something about Gary, that he creates this sort of circle of writers where people are helping out each other within the circle, not just him, not just straight lines. Right. Um, but, you know, you, you do you talk about the importance of mentors in your book some um, in terms of of actual writing, actual putting pen to paper and the craft. Who were some important mentors for you um, in that regard? Oh, well, Barry Kemp, who oh, yeah? created New Heart and Coach. Um, is and wrote, I think, 14 episodes of Taxi. So, you know, he comes up under Jim Brooks and, and the Charles Brothers, and they used to call him Mr. Funny Pants. Hmm. And Barry is one of the few writers I've encountered who's just great at everything. He's great at story. He's great at character voice. And he's a hard joke writer. Yeah. Uh, and he's also one of the kindest people um, I've ever worked with. He's he's very polite. He's open to ideas from everyone. So he wasn't just a, a writing mentor, but um, I, a human mentor. Yeah. <laughs> and he and and one of the pieces of advice he gave me, which I put in the book, is that writing is not an act of creation. It's an act of choice. Hmm. And what he meant by that is um, an episode or a book, it doesn't just flow out of a pen or keyboard fully formed. Each work is built concept by concept, beat by beat, word for word. It's a process of discovery. That's great. Yeah. I love that. So it's just you're, con you're just making 100 choices a day as you're writing, as you're sitting down. Character could do this. Character could do that. Character could be man. Character could be woman. I mean, it's just that, that's sort of the idea. Yeah, I compare it to being, you know, when you're in the optometrist chair and they're trying different lenses and they're saying, you know, is this better? Is this better? Right. And that's, 
what a writer does constantly. And, you know, you think of your joke, and sometimes the first thought is the funniest, but you won't know that unless you spend another hour pitching on that joke to see if you can top it. Right. Totally. I love that. So you created the show, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, Was that off of a, a pitch or a spec script, or how did that first come about? So that was IP from Archie Comics, and I had read them as a child, and uh, I loved magic. In my book, I talk about my friendship with Penn and Teller. Joel Hodgson was a magician. Uh, And so when the opportunity came, um, they had already sold the show to ABC. They knew it would be perfect for TGIF. Uh, and they brought me in. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was the original for ABC, at, not to be confused with right. the new one for Netflix. Right, right. And you know, every generation gets the Sabrina the Teenage <laughs> Witch it deserves. <laughs> I guess that's right. So these are chilling times. <laughs> so we get the chilling adventures. <laughs> I haven't checked it out yet. Are you able to watch it, or does it feel too strange like someone else taking over your creation? It's a little strange. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. So, you know, I asked you what scene you've written over the years that you might want to talk about from a craft perspective. And you chose a scene from the first season of Sabrina. Um, for context, Sabrina's aunts arrange a ski trip for the family in this episode on Mars. And in this scene, Sabrina is with her handsome ski instructor who she's just met. Um, so I want to go ahead and play the scene and then we can just briefly talk about it from a craft perspective. Here we are. Wow. Picnic in a crater. Oh, it's not just a crater. It's the best crater on the planet. Mars is so cool. You're lucky you get to live here all the time. Ah, it's not that much fun. After the season's over, it's just a lot of witch townies. Well, I love it. So different and exotic. Ham sandwich? Sure. (sighs) Both moons are really beautiful tonight. Yeah. Hey, there's the Mars probe. Smile. (laughs) Are you cold? No, I'm all right. You sure? Because I'll um, put my arm around you. That's okay. I can just put my arms around myself. <laughs> I'm sensing you feel uncomfortable being here. Should I walk you back to the lodge? No. No, I'm enjoying this. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Because I like you, Sabrina. I like you, too. What are you doing? I was going to kiss you. Kiss me? I don't even know you that well. I mean, it hardly seems right to kiss someone when you haven't even shaken hands. All right. You want to shake? Okay. Now can I kiss you? I don't think so. Well, why not? It's your handshake. No offense, but I've had better. That's not fair. We had gloves on. Give me another chance. Okay. Now this time, I'm really going to mean it. Uh Uh-uh. Look, it's not your fault. There's a guy back on Earth named Harvey, and, well, when I shake his hand, I feel a tingly, and when I shake yours, well, frankly, it's a little sweaty. It's not. I'm sorry, but I have to be honest. So, um, you want to go back to the lodge? Nah, we can finish our picnic. I mean, we're still friends, right? Of course. Friends. Friends. Anything? Sorry. Okay. Uh, it's a great scene. Well, at the end, what you 
you don't see is uh-huh. that he says friends and he puts out his hand for her to shake. Right. And then she shakes it and he says anything and she says no. Right. Sorry. <laughs> um, do you remember writing that scene at all? Yes, I, of course. Yeah. yeah. I wrote that episode. Yeah. And um, it was also fun because Chris Elliott play, had a part in the B story. So that was super fun to work with mm-hmm. Chris Elliott and Caroline Ray, who are two of the funniest people I know. Yeah. Um, and in terms of this scene, um, do you remember, I mean, it's, you know, it's a great scene, um, just a two person scene. She's just met this guy and he's being a little bit aggressive and, and she's spurning him. Do you remember sort of, um, the impetus for the scene or why you chose to, to create it? Well, uh, why I chose, um, it for the podcast, uh, is that I, look back on that scene and realize I was modeling consent for teenage girls. Yeah. And, and when he makes his move and she pulls back, the guy says, I sense you're uncomfortable. Do you want to go back to the lodge? Um, and I watched it recently and I didn't remember that specific moment. But what struck me is, I I really wrote Sabrina um, as the show I would have liked to watch when I was a teenager. Hmm. And without hitting someone over the head about consent, uh, I worked it in there in a very natural, normal way. Yeah, completely. Um, I mean, is that something you think about a lot about sort of modeling behavior for your impressionable audience, especially when you're writing for, you know, a younger audience? Well, I think about it as a female writer. And I don't know that there was another female show creator on TGIF, which was a family, you know, night. And you would think that there'd be uh, more women involved in those shows. But, you know, there were a couple of guys that had a lock on them. And, you know, there was another show um, called The Wizards of Waverly Place that came out years later. And I watched the pilot, and in it, Selena Gomez, who's adorable, her storyline is that she uses her magic because she has to get to the mall because her favorite store is having a sale and she wants to buy a cute shirt. Right. And I just felt like that's what men think teenage girls are all about. And what I tried so hard to do with Sabrina is is Sabrina didn't, didn't actually care about being popular. She didn't care about clothing. She wanted to be a good person. She wanted to be a good student. She, she wanted to be a good witch. Right. And would you ever get, um, I, I don't know how to phrase this, but as you were trying to give a sort of morality to the show, would you, you know, have to pull back on jokes that um, subverted that at all? Or would you get network notes about it? Or, um, I mean, it certainly doesn't feel like a lesson. It feels like drama. Is there any trick to making it feel like drama as opposed to making it feel like a morality lesson? I really wanted to present the real world. So it wasn't always huggy or, you know, for example, we did an episode very early on about um, truth sprinkles that get um, put on the bunt cakes that they make in cooking class mm-hmm. in home ec. And Sabrina has brought in these truth sprinkles that our aunts gave her because she wants to find out if Harvey 
likes her or not. And in true sitcom fashion, she puts them down, the teacher picks them up, puts them on all the bun cakes, which she then brings into the teacher's lounge. And so you've got a high school where everyone is blurting out the truth right. to each other. And the actual lesson of that episode was the world would be kind of a terrible place if everyone blurted out the truth all right. the time. That's great. That's great. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, I tried to really, um, again, going back to the absurd and reality, you know, we have this witch and that's all absurd, but to gr- ground it always in, you know, what is what is really going on in a high school? Right. I love that. Um, now I know you have to go in a minute. Um, just curious, you know, I asked you if there was, um, if there was a question that you're sick of that you've been getting on this uh, book tour you're on, is there anything that people just don't ask you about that you want to talk about? I guess one thing that I haven't had a chance to talk about enough is just how much I love writing for different mediums. Okay. And, uh, even just you know writing a book <laughs> yeah. and and starting out as a journalist and then uh writing for late night tv and then sitcom and drama and i do think one of the great things about a career as a writer is that you um can move into so many different uh genres yeah and the basics remain the same um, but I've always, like, I, I feel like I keep learning about how to write. Um, on NCIS, I, I was there with Don Belisario, right. and he taught me um, some great things about drama. The thing that he would always bark at uh, me and Jesse Stern uh-huh. was, um, who do I care about in this episode? Right. And it can't be the victim. <laughs> that's a and good. It, that's a good question to ask. Such a good question. Yeah. And that's why, you know, there's got to be a wife, a kid, a, right. a parent, someone who's grieving um, for that body or a connection between one of your characters and, and, and the victim. Right. You, um, and another thing Don used to say was that uh, something had to happen in every scene. So you had to have a plot twist, something really funny or something really emotional. Hmm. And and if you had a scene, which even if it was sort of a fun character moment or gave you a little clue, that wasn't enough. He would cut that scene. Hmm. And, and there needs to be a drive because the point of writing is, is not at the end for someone to look back and go, oh, I see how clever. They set that up in the first act. They paid it off in the fourth. You've got to grab the viewer and and propel them along the story. I love that. I always think about that in terms of, um, you know, some of the great thrillers. Like, you know, you take usual suspects and people look back on it and say, well, they just plotted it so well to, you know, um, answer the question of who is Kaiser Soze. They built such a great mystery. But if you go back and watch the movie – you're not asking the question, who is Kaiser That's Soze right. throughout the movie? You're asking, <laughs> is Keaton alive or dead? That's yeah. what keeps you interested in the movie. Um, that, so that I love that advice from Bill Sario. That's great. Yeah. Um, so I do love writing. I'm just, it's, it's really, um, 
I, I still get excited when I sit down and I'll never understand writers who don't like the blank page because to me, it's just, it's all possibility. That's awesome. I love that. And and so I guess I hadn't realized how many different platforms we're talking about memoir, nonfiction book, late night, sitcom, drama, um, short story, short story, magazine writing, webisodes, <laughs> webisodes, <laughs> where's theater and where's podcasts and where's movies? Oh, you know, I have an idea for a play, which I don't often get, but I have, um, two ideas for plays and one of these days, although, you know what? That scares me. Theater scares me. It so scares you more than I have to do it. Yeah. I mean, right. Exactly. It sounds like, um, each of these new platforms, I imagine was a little bit scary in the beginning, right? Yes. But I think I was younger. So <laughs> right. <laughs> I wasn't, you weren't I smart enough to know, know to really be scared. Was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Ignorance was bliss. All right. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, Nell. Really appreciate it. Oh, this was fun. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye.